Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. And you are down to two hours and 49 minutes and 10. Not, there's seconds to go. Actually, it's just over almost three hours. There's a lunar eclipse. That's what I'm talking about. Have you seen the lunar eclipse? Full lunar eclipse. Apparently it looks amazing. However, your best chances of seeing it are probably if you're in Australia, uh, Western South America, Western United States, Southeast Asia. You're able to see it, apparently. I doubt that uh, the team and I here in the in the uh, Catholic Drive Time studios uh, of the Guadalupe Radio Network in Texas will be able to see it. But if you're able to see it and you're hanging out with us on a live video chat, let us know. Comment. I'd love to know that. But praise be to God, we have a great show lined up for you today. In the What's Concerning Us section in this hour, we are going to be diving into why Catholics must learn their faith, especially in these days and times, and what tools we might have available to us to help us to dive deep. Especially as lay folk. Now, a little confession here. I've been using the particular tool I want to talk about today. I've been using it more recently, but I received this tool years and years and years ago. It's, it's an amazing tool. And lately, when I've been using it for the show, super powerful. And I want to share that with you today in the What's Concerning Us section. So that's coming up. Uh, Verboom is the tool I'm talking about. And uh, Timothy Putnam is going to be on with us to talk about that. In the guest segment, Cy Kellett uh, is going to be on our program today. Now, he, he was scheduled, I think it was last week, Adrian, right? Yes. Adrian, it was last week he was supposed to be on, but uh, it didn't work out, so we've rebooked him today, and he is going to be talking about his book, A Teacher of Strange Things, who Jesus was, what he taught, and why people still follow him. Now, it's fascinating because in a you know back in the old school days of Catholic Radio, We'd be talking about, well, where is that in the Bible? And why do Catholics teach this? And show me in Scripture that. And nowadays it's, who is Jesus anyway? And why should we ever follow him at all? You know, so the conversation has somewhat changed. And Cy Kellett with Catholic Answers is going to be our guest today to talk about that. So going to be a full lineup in this hour. Pretty excited about that. But uh, good morning to you, Janelle. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. You're back. You're making a routine of this. I'm proud of you. Yes. Uh, have you ever seen a lunar eclipse, by the way? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, yes. New lunar eclipse, but not solar eclipse. You've never seen a solar eclipse? No. Really? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. I saw one uh, right of the like days before Hurricane Harvey came and wiped out Houston. Yes, I remember. Um, that was uh, the one that I missed because I was in class and they wouldn't oh, let us out. Oh, I was, I was actually on the campus at USD. When I when I went and saw that, so oh. well, I don't know that I've ever seen a lunar eclipse, and I don't know that I'll be seeing one. I take that back. I think I have seen one once, but been a I'm while. looking at one right now. Are you? Yep. Okay. I'm good. I just googled it, and I'm looking at it. <laughs> You're good. So that, that counts, right? I'm just I'm staring at a lunar eclipse. I'm sure it's equally and there's, awesome. There's also a solar eclipse right next to it, so I just, I can see both at the same time. It's wow. pretty awesome. Well, what TV else do you have amazing. to accomplish in life? There's two two items off the bucket list right there. Easy peasy. I don't know what Barry was making a big deal about. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, if you've seen, if you can see the lunar eclipse today, and you better hurry because you're down to two minutes, two hours and forty five minutes at this point. Uh, please comment and let us know. Uh, 
Esma says she's in Fort Worth, and it was a blood moon first, and it just reached totality. That's amazing. All right, we're going to jump into this hour again. Timothy Putnam from Veraboom is going to be on, coming up in the What's Concerning Us. We're going to do breaking news and stories. Janelle's going to be reading today. Praise God for that. We're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then um, we'll do the segment on Veraboom, and then Cy Kellett in the guest segment this hour. In the next hour, if you are at all able to join us, we would surely love to have you on. We will not only do a lot of those same things, but we will also dive into the Fear and Trembling Game Show with three new opportunities to win this week's prize pack, sponsored by apodandherpeas.com. Apodandherpeas.com. So we're very grateful to them for giving us the opportunity to give stuff away to you, our audience. So be sure to check out the website for the rules, for the phone number, plus join our email list and watch the show live and comment live right on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Janelle. The Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago has reinstated Reverend Michael Fleger after past sex abuse allegations. In other news, the U.S. has called for a new probe into CCP virus origins amid mounting attention on the leak lab theory. Cyclone Yas batters, batters India's eastern coast, deaths reported as homes destroyed and airports close, the RT News reports. Cyclone Yas has made landfall in Odisha state, bringing heavy rains and winds up to 87 miles per hour and causing widespread damage across eastern India destroying homes, flooding villages, and disrupting transport. In fact, there are reports that around 20,000 mud houses and shelters have been damaged by the storm. On Wednesday morning, Cyclone Yas made landfall near Balasore, the largest city of northern Odisha. The very severe cyclonic storm is expected to continue moving inland, petering out as it moves towards Barisanisi, India's spiritual capital. Sizable waves have also battered low-lying coastal areas, with many villages and fishing communities flooded. Low-lying areas of Sagar Island in the Bay of Bengal have been particularly affected, as has tourist town of Digha, where a police station was flooded. By LifeSite News, Facebook executive brags about increased censorship of so-called hate speech. The big tech company released its quarterly community standards enforcement report. Facebook's Vice President of Integrity, Guy Rosen, noted in the report that in the first quarter, which included January through March of 2021, that so-called hate speech on the platform continues to decrease. The report noted that content it decided was hate speech constituted 0.05 to 0.06%, or 5 to 6 views per 10,000 views. According to a graph provided in the blog post, the prevalence of hate speech violations for July through September 2020 was 0.10 to 0.11%, which would yield approximately a 50% decrease compared to the first quarter of 2021. Not only has Facebook censored more content, but an increasing number of posts are apparently caught by AI rather than just human moderators. 
Advancements in AI technologies have allowed us to remove more hate speech from Facebook over time and find more of it before users report it to us, Rosen noted in the report. The Union of Catholic Asian News has reported that four people have died in a military attack on a church in Myanmar. Catholics were sheltering in the church due to fighting between the military and the People's Defense Force. Four people have died when a Catholic church came under attack from the military in a Catholic stronghold in eastern Myanmar. Sacred Heart Church in Kayananthara Parish near Lokai, the capital of Kaya State, came under fire around 1 a.m. on May 24th. More than 300 people from at least 60 families have taken refuge in the church compound due to fighting between the military and an anti-coup resistance group known as the People's Defense Force over the weekend. The roof, ceiling, and cross of the church were damaged and at least four people were injured. All those killed or wounded were Catholics. According to Breitbart, millions have been secretly tracked to monitor movements after COVID vaccines. The British government has reported to have secretly surveilled the movements of millions of citizens to track changes in behavior following the administration of COVID vaccines. A report from the SPIB Community of Government Scientists has revealed that the government tracked up to 10% of the British public's phones in February, all without permission or notification to the public. Throughout tracking cell phone mobility data for 10% of the British population, the Oxford University team was able to determine that 2,254 people have received a coronavirus vaccination at the time. A source within the government also told the paper that the type of surveillance carried out was not the same as the sort of GPS tracking data, which is commonly used by commercial companies for advertising purposes. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is Saint Mary Anne de Parades. She was born on October 31, 1618, at Quito, Ecuador. She was the daughter of Don Guerra, Guerra, I'm sorry, Guerrillamo, Guerrillamo, a nobleman of Toledo, and Donna Mariana. Her birth was accompanied by unusual celestial phenomena. She was orphaned at a very young, at a very young age. She was raised by her older sister and her husband. Marianne was a pious child with a devotion to Mary. She was miraculously saved from death several times. She was attracted to religious life at a very early age, and at 10 years old, she made vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. She initially wanted to be a Dominican nun, but instead became a hermit in the home of her sister. Her life changed at that point, and except to attend church, she never left the house again. Given to severe austerities, she slept little and ate an ounce of dry bread every eight or ten days, surviving solely on the Eucharist, which she received during daily communion. Given to ecstasies, her gifts of prophecy, remote viewing, reading of hearts, healing by making the sign of the cross, or sprinkling with, sprinkling with holy water, and at least once restored a dead person to life. During a series of earthquakes in 1645 and, and inevitable epidemics that followed them, in Quito, Ecuador, she publicly offered herself as a victim for the city and died shortly after. Immediately after her death, there blossomed a pure white lily from her blood. The Republic of Ecuador has declared her a national heroine. She died on May 26, 1645 at Quito, Ecuador, and was canonized by Pope Pius XII on the 9th of July, 1950. St. Marianne, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. 
The disciples were on the way, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit upon him, scourge him, and put him to death. But after three days he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish for me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. And Jesus said to them, The chalice that I drink you will drink, and, the, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John, and Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The beloved disciple must be with Christ on the cross next to him there on Calvary. That is where the Lord is telling his disciples to go. And the beloved disciples, that's you, that's me, that we're standing there with the uh, mother of our Savior at the foot of the cross. And he is expecting that we would stand there and suffer next to him. That is the cup and for some it is a lot, and for some it is a little, but neither here nor there, we all, as disciples of the Lord, must embrace the sufferings that come our way and do so joyfully for the salvation of souls. After this very short break, we're going to dive into why we must learn our faith as Catholics. We'll be right back. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. 
They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. Coming up in about uh, 20 minutes from now, Cy Kellett from Catholic Answers Live is going to be our guest. He's got a book out called A Teacher of Strange Things, who Jesus was, what he taught, and why people still follow him. And I think it's going to be an important conversation because we are going to encounter more and more people who have no idea who Jesus is. It's not even like they have a basic understanding. They have no understanding. They, the, the rise of the nuns in our world today, in our country, in our communities, in our family members, is skyrocketing and very concerning, and Cy Kellett's going to be our guest to discuss that. And I think it goes to what we're about to conversate uh, with Timothy Putnam, product manager at Veribone Catholic Software. Years ago, 2000. 9, 10, someplace way back when, uh, I was given a copy of a piece of software by Logos. And I had an opportunity to use this software, and it, it was a powerful tool that helped to dive deep into sacred scripture and theology. But the Catholic uh, version of it was brand new, and it was just getting started. Fast forward, Timothy and I connect, and I start to use this product again. Now it's called Verboom. And I got to tell you, I've been using it now for the last uh, several weeks to prepare for the uh, gospel reflections, to dive deep into sacred scripture on the gospel passages every single day here on the show. It makes it so easy to get deep super fast. If I want to know what the early church fathers think or say about this particular passage, it makes it super easy. If I want to know what the catechism says, encyclicals, and other commentaries, I can get there fairly quickly. And I'm very impressed by this. It is big stuff. It is very uh, involved and advanced, but I think it's very usable. But I want to have a bigger conversation, and I want to welcome Timothy to the program. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. So uh, I made my public confession. I've been using this tool now, and uh, again, for the last several weeks. It had been a very long time since I had used this product. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, go ahead. I'm with you. I started using it way back in uh, 2015. So you beat me to the punch um, <laughs> long before I ever came to the company. And uh, it, it really does help read scripture through the eyes of the church. Um, coming as a Protestant, when I grew up in the Protestant church, came into the church in 20, uh, 2011. And for me, it was a question of, okay, now I have to, not only do I need to come and read scripture and interact with scripture. But now I need to read it in a different way than I ever have before. I need to somehow find my way into the tradition of the church, understanding how the fathers would have interpreted this and look at it through new eyes because I'm coming to know Christ in a new way. And this program 
way back when was instrumental in helping me interact with the fathers and coming to know, uh, okay, here I am in this passage of scripture. What did St. John Chrysostom say about this? What did St. Augustine say about this? And, and have it really unfold the scriptures for me in a similar way to what we hear about with Jesus and the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, mm. that he unf- unfolded scripture for them in a way that made their hearts burn within them. Um, this is what the goal of interacting with scripture should always be, that we have an encounter with the risen Lord. Timothy Putnam is our guest. He's product manager at Verboom Catholic Software. Um, Timothy, I, I think these days, these times that we're in, really should stress or emphasize the need for the average Catholic to dive deep into their faith. I found that when I started using this tool, like I said, oh, oh, 09, 10, 11, I don't know, someplace in there, uh, I was studying a lot with the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. I was spending yeah. a lot of time deep diving into sacred scripture. I'm a typology junkie. I mean, so I just I just love that stuff, eating it up. I was doing Greek translations of passages, using this tool for that was very easy. But I also found in my work at the, in the back in those days that the average lay folk didn't have the time or the inclination to dive all that deep beyond the surface level. I think mm-hmm. it's a crisis that we should address. What do you think? Well, it's certainly something that uh, that is important for us. I mean, our goal as Catholics is to to be one with Christ, to be in communion with Christ. And Saint Jerome, who gave us uh, the translation of the Vulgate, he's cr- famous for saying, "Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ." If we want to know the fullness and the power of God in our lives, then we need to know Scripture. It's the difference between knowing about someone and and coming into conversation and and really knowing that person. Scripture is not just this word on a page. It's the revelation of God to us. And, and through Scripture, and because it is active, it's not just a book. It's the Holy Spirit coming and revealing the presence of God to us. Uh, because it is active, it speaks to us and in conversation, it's not like picking up some other book and just gleaming the information out of it. Mm. The Holy Spirit points out specific things in specific ways to us and opens our heart to come into uh, into full union with him. Now, okay, what I'm about to say could upset some folks, and I don't intend to upset anybody by saying what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's who I am. I've been to many Bible studies in parishes. Mm-hmm. Most of the... Bible studies I've been to have been really about how does this verse make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a place for that. I'm not trying to discount that or discredit that completely. But I was always frustrated by that because I didn't want to, I mean, I could figure out how a verse makes me personally feel anytime. But I, coming to a Bible study, what I wanted to know was what does the church teach? What is mm-hmm. the church always taught? Uh, how does the church help the faithful unlock this passage to something deeper and more powerful that has been handed on throughout the ages? Um, I've always found that to be very frustrating. Have you experienced that yourself? Oh, certainly. And I think that there's some some validity to that question of how does it make you feel, but it, it needs to be done in a certain light. So if we think of Scripture like a mirror, right? When I get up in the morning and I get dressed and I uh, button up my shirt, and then I'm going to go look in the mirror and make sure that I'm all put together, right? And I'm, if there's anything out of place that needs to be adjusted. 
well, I can come up to a mirror and if it's a little bit dirty or maybe someone just got out of the shower and it's covered in fog, uh, there's going to be a problem there. I'm not going to be able to see clearly. And so the more that we understand the scripture, the more that this word is translated properly and the church uh, the church's interpretation is presented to us, that mirror is going to give us a clearer picture. So this mirror of scripture needs to be not just, oh, I'm going to open the book and flip through it and put my finger down and see what verse is there and see how it makes me feel. But that study and that deep dive into uh, the languages, even if you don't have a whole strong grasp on the languages, there are tools out there, verbum being one of them, that help expound that uh, and, and open that up for us. And so as that mirror gets cleaned off and we get a really crisp understanding of what the church teaches about that scripture, now, Scripture has the power, the double-edged sword to define between the thoughts and, and intentions of man. Um, now it has the power to point out things that really do make us feel a certain way, the spirit of compunction or the spirit of consolation, that allow us, uh, in again, in this relationship with God, uh, to amend our lives or to grow deeper in communion with Christ. You know, there's another aspect that I uh, found very frustrating as well in my time doing scripture studies at parishes. Uh, there was too much emphasis, in my opinion, on Protestant sources. And uh, I, I know that people like, for instance, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI is fond of quoting um, scholars in the Protestant communities. Uh, so is Dr. Scott Hahn, for instance, and many other biblical scholars. They do reference sort of the sort of the 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 notion of what scholars are saying out there. And I get that. But for the average lay folk, it seems to me that our first and primary sources ought to be always what the Catholic uh, Church is teaching about this particular passage. Catholic scholars and theologians and scripture uh, uh, theologians. But it, I think too often we are, we are just giving ourselves over to this notion that, well, Protestants know the Bible. And I've always found that very troubling. What would you say to that? Well, I would say that specifically in, in the realm of uh, biblical scholarship, that certainly there's there's multiple tools out there that are wonderful. And of course, we've got those in our library, both Catholic and Protestant sources. Like I've, behind me, I've got the Anchor Yale Bible series. There's some, some good stuff in there that is not Catholic. There's also a whole bunch of it that is. Um, but for us, and for me personally, the, the greatest sources are the fathers of the church, right? Amen. They're the ones who are closest to uh, Christ, both in time and in culture. And so they unpack for us things that we wouldn't think about in our Western context of what, what Christ is saying in these moments. And so for me, um, I, I love there's this tool that we have in the software called the Cited by Tools. So I've got scripture open and I've got the Cited by Tool open. And as I'm reading through my scripture, it says, oh, this verse that you're reading right here, well, this, here's all the places it shows up in your library. Here's what Chrysostom said. Here's what the Catechism said. Here's what uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI said in his encyclical. And it's just all laid out there for me. And just a little click, I can jump into those and begin to read. It's a little bit of a jumping down a rabbit hole because you can follow that tangent as far as you want. Uh, in in really opening up this one passage and seeing how does the church respond to this scripture? Yeah, Amen. We only have a few minutes left in our conversation with Timothy Putnam from Verboom Catholic Software. So let's uh, let's let's talk about the the tool itself here. Give us the elevator pitch. We got about uh, two minutes on the clock here. Elevator pitch. Uh, what is this tool and how do we use it? 
the tool is simply this. It's grabbing all of your li- your library of books that you want to interact with Scripture on, and it puts them all in one place and makes them talk to one another. So you can get into Verbum for a very low amount of money, or it, it can build up just like going into a bookstore, um, your favorite bookstore. <laughs> You've been talking <clears throat> to my wife again, haven't you? She's been yeah, telling I, you well, stories. So you can, it, if you think about Verbum like a library or like a, a bookshelf, you can put as few books on it as you want, or you can put as many books on it as you want. And of course, the cost changes depending on that. Um, but right now is a great time to get into it because everything, uh, all of our base packages are 15% off right now. Uh, and so um, basically you come and you say, okay, I want, I want this package, which has the Bible and the catechism and the church fathers and maybe uh, the Navarra commentary or uh, some other commentary set. You figure out which library fits you best and jump right in. Yeah. What I love about it is when I look at the passage for the gospel, it automatically pulls up and goes right to the source, right to the point in that source that is discussing mm-hmm. that, like the early church fathers or Haydock's commentary or the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible, one of my favorite commentaries on the New Testament. Yeah. It's a fantastic resource. And uh, right now, if you support uh, Verboom, you're also supporting Catholic Drive Time because they're going to be a generous sponsor of ours, uh, underwriting a portion of our gospel reflection every day. Uh, uh, the website is verboom.com forward slash GRN, verboom.com forward slash GRN. What will they find there, Timothy? Well, they're going to find an opportunity to pick some free books and then look at the various libraries, see which one fits them best, uh, to purchase a library, support their own uh, journey into Scripture, and support Catholic Drive Time. All right. Well, praise be to God. Uh, Veraboom.com forward slash GRN. Now, I think it's uh, well suited for, obviously, uh, uh, students in theology and, and scripture study, but the average Catholic must learn their faith and deep dive, especially in these dark times, so that we can give a reasonable hope for the faith that lies within. And I think Veraboom is a fantastic tool to help us do that. So, uh, Timothy Putnam, product manager, Veraboom Catholic Software, thank you for your time today. Great to be here. Thanks. All right. The website is verboom.com forward slash GRN. Verboom.com forward slash GRN. We'll be right back. We have uh, Cy Kelly coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No. According to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. Another victory for the pro-life movement. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey signs bill to stop infanticide. The bill protects babies born alive after botched abortions. The D.C. Attorney General is suing Amazon on antitrust grounds, alleging it illegally raises prices. From LifeSite News, the latest CDC data shows reports of adverse events after COVID vaccines surpassed 200,000, including 943 among 12 to 17-year-olds. The number of reported adverse events following COVID vaccines surpassed 200,000, according to data released last Friday by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The data comes directly from reports submitted to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS. Friday's data showed that between December 14, 2020 and May 14, a total of 227,805 total adverse events were reported to VAERS, including 4,201 deaths, an increase of 144 over the previous weekend, and 18,528 serious injuries, up 1,338. In the U.S., 268.4 million COVID vaccine doses have been administered as of May 14th. This includes 115 million doses of Moderna's vaccine, 144 million doses of Pfizer, and 9 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. Of the 4,201 deaths reported as of May 14th, 23% occurred within 48 hours of vaccination, 16 occurred within 24 hours, and 38% occurred in people who had become ill within 48 hours of being vaccinated. The pillar says bishops are pressing Gomez to halt the communion debate. A group of more than 60 bishops has written to Archbishop Jose Gomez this month, pressing for the U.S. Bishops' Conference leadership to suspend discussion of the subject of Eucharistic coherence ahead of USCCB's June meeting. Despite a recent letter from the Vatican's doctrinal office counseling the bishops to continue discussing the matter, discussion on the topic was scheduled in March through the ordinary USCCB procedure for setting meeting agendas. The letter was signed by several U.S. cardinals, including Cardinal Wilton Gregory of Washington, Cardinal Blaise Supich of Chicago, and Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston. New York's Cardinal Timothy Dolan was originally a signatory to the letter, but he withdrew his name from the text after it was sent. It urged that committee work in progress on the process of Eucharistic coherence be stopped and that a planned discussion on the subject be removed from the schedule of the bishops' June meeting, delayed until an in-person meeting of the bishops takes place. From the Hill, the Supreme Court will consider taking up a major challenge to affirmative action. The Supreme Court will soon consider taking up a challenge to Harvard's use of racial criteria in its admissions process, which could tee up a landmark showdown over affirmative action in higher education. The justices on Tuesday scheduled the case for discussion on June 10th, during their private weekly conference. If four or more justices ultimately agree to grant review, then arguments could come up as soon as the next term, with a decision possible by summer 2022. The case arose after a conservative-backed group Students for Fair Admission sued Harvard, 
alleging the school illegally discriminates against Asian American applicants. In its February petition to the Supreme Court, the admissions group urged the justices to overturn Greta v. Bollinger, a landmark 2003 discussion upholding the, the rights of college admission boards to factor in applicants' race in order to benefit minority groups and enhance diversity. The Blaze says that LEGO rolls out its first-ever LGBTQ-inspired set just in time for Pride Month, and by golly did folks let LEGO have it. LEGO has rolled out an LGBT-inspired set entitled Everyone is Awesome Just in Time for Pride Month. The company said in news release that the 11 monochrome minifigures, along with each its own individual hairstyle and rainbow color, along with the rainbow stand and background, are designed to celebrate the diversity of our fans and the world around us. LEGO says the set goes on sale on June 1st to mark the start of Pride Month. The set costs $34.99. As you might imagine, not everyone was thrilled with LEGO's Everyone is Awesome rollout, and many upset fans have aired their sentiments on Twitter and elsewhere. And those are your headline news. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janelle, for keeping us up to date on the news. And, uh, and you have now, I guess it's two hours, 13 minutes, 16 seconds on the clock to see that lunar eclipse. If you are at all able to see it, I would surely love to know. By the way, I'm going to open up the phone lines. And what do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? What's on your heart? Uh, if you have any questions or comments you want to bring up on the show today, especially in regards to the topic of, uh, is Jesus relevant anymore? Do you have friends and family members who, who have really no concept whatsoever of Jesus? Are they totally clueless? And uh, how do you have those conversations? Are they awkward I'd like to know. You can call us and be a part of the program right now at 877 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open if you'd like to be a part of our conversation at 877-757-9424. Let us know what you're, what you're thinking. Um, I also want to thank realestateforlife.org for generously sponsoring a portion of our Catholic Drive Time program. Um, they help to connect buyers and sellers of houses, people trying to buy and sell houses. And right now it is a seller's market. In fact, I read a, a headline news this morning about it's the highest uh, prices since uh, in, in March in seven years. So crazy times we live in, right? Well, a Real Estate for Life not only connects people buying or selling ho houses with real estate agents who are pro-life, Catholic most of the time, but they support Catholic pro-life organizations like ours as well. So we're very grateful to them for their generous sponsorship of our program, making it possible for us to get up at 3 a.m. Monday through Friday and come do what we, we do here. Uh, so uh, realestateforlife.org, thank you very much for your sponsorship. I want to jump in. Again, the phone lines are open if you want to join the program with a question or comment. 877-757-9424. What's on your mind? 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. There is an uh, interesting turn of events in, in some of these states. you got Tennessee, the Florida, uh, Florida signing a bill here, Tennessee signing bills, Texas signing bills, and various aspects that are in the headline news these days and have been very concerning. Um, I'm very surprised to see some of these states really leading the way. Florida seems to like it wants to lead the way in many ways when it comes to religious uh, freedom, uh, liberties in general, um, all kinds of uh, things. I, very f I find this very fascinating. I never saw Florida from that light before. But here we see, there's an article over at LifeSite News, 
It says Florida governor signs historic bill to stop big tech censorship, allows Floridians to sue. Now, this has been a a topic we've covered quite a bit over the last six or seven months. uh, Big tech censorship is a problem. It's a problem that we personally have to deal with here uh, where we get shadow banned all the time on platforms like Facebook and on YouTube and elsewhere. And the, the kicker here is you can't sue these companies. You can't, you can't really defend yourself against them when you say things they don't like, irregardless of the facts, they shut you down. You might recall, uh, I guess it was last year in 2020, um, Epic Times put a documentary together pulling all the facts together on whether or not the COVID virus came from a lab in China. Well, they were labeled as fake news. And anybody who shared that link on Facebook, for instance, was warned. They were told that they were sharing fake news. And they were their hands were slapped. I mean, this was affecting a lot of people. Well, fast forward now, it's 2021, and even Dr. Fauci is even saying, well, it's possible. Yeah, sure. I mean, so it's it's kind of come full circle now. Is it fake news? I mean, now it's mainstream media conversation, but last year somehow it was fake news. You see what I'm saying? It's like this is the difficulty that uh, people have, people like us who are trying to share the facts and the articles and the information on various subjects that are tricky pieces of business on platforms. Let me read... Hold on, let me read a little bit of this article, and then we'll dive into the discussion. The phone, num- phone lines are open, by the way, 877-757-9424, if you want to be a part of our conversation. Here's a little bit of this article over at LifeSide News. It says, Florida Governor Ron DeSaints has taken yet another step in his fight against big tech censorship by signing a bill yesterday that greatly advances the rights of Floridians regarding social media companies. Residents are now enabled to sue the companies if they are treated unfairly, and the law also prov- uh, the law also um, helps to protect censorship of politicians. Now that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, do we know any famous politicians who are outspoken and live in Florida, for instance, like like, like say on a resort golf course, possibly? Uh, DeSaints signed the bill known as SB 7072 into law at a press conference held at Florida International University on the morning of May 24th. It will go into effect on July 1st, 2021. Announcing the bill, which is the first of its kind, he stated that it would ensure protection from social media censorship to those living in the state of Florida. He says, quote, this, this session, we took action to ensure that we, the people, real Floridians across the Sunshine State, are guaranteed protection against the Silicon Valley elites. Many in our state have experienced censorship and other tyrannical behavioral behavior firsthand in Cuba and Venezuela. If big tech censors enforce rules in, in, inconsistently to discriminate in favor of the dominant Silicon Valley ideology, they will now be held unca- accountable, unquote. This is an article over at LifeSite News. We're going to continue the conversation about this on the other side of the break. But where do you stand on big tech censorship? Should we have the right to sue if we feel like we have been slandered or unjustly treated or blocked from the public conversation? I'd like to know. 877-757-9424 is phone number. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Obedience has never been easy or popular. One Minute Monk. 
Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. In monastic life, each monk gives obedience to the abbot and the community. The fundamental obedience for St. Benedict, however, is simply obedience to God's will, a basic Christian virtue. The rule of St. Benedict emphasizes obedience as imitation of Christ, who came not to do his own will, but the will of the Father in loving trust, even unto death. In a monastic community and in your own life, obedience simply means following the will of God and fulfilling our vocation to the best of our ability. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com Obedience is a paradox. In its practice, we find our surest path to freedom. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Jesus Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Good to be on with you. Phone lines are open if you want to be a part of our conversation at 877-757-9424, is the phone number. This article that we're reading to, reading to you from LifeSite News goes on to say, As a result, Floridians will now have the right to sue big tech or social media companies, seeking monetary damages up to $100,000. If the companies violate the new law and enforce unfair censorship, shadow banning, and deplatforming the user, uh, then they'll be able to sue. Nor are social media companies able to ban users without warning, as they must now give a seven-day heads-up before a potential ban explaining the reason underlying and offering the chance to resolve the issue. Now, YouTube already kind of does this, actually. They have a three strikes and you're out policy. Now, we've, Adrian, we've, we've experienced this firsthand. Yes. The, uh, and the other thing is, what I wanted to uh, bring up is the fact that a lot of these, a lot of things that are being said now by the CDC, by Dr. Fauci, about uh, the vaccines, about the masks, about the, um, where the virus came from, uh, which we talked about with Stephen Mosier back when the virus first started, a lot of YouTube channels, a lot of Facebook pages, a lot of Twitter uh, Twitter accounts were banned, were blocked, were put censorships on them uh, due to the things that they're saying that now the CDC, Dr. Fauci, the, uh, the U.S. government is coming out and saying that we were right this whole time. Right. And or rather, oh, well, maybe it's not as crazy as we thought it was. And the crazy, the crazy thing is, are they going to come back? Are they going to reinstate these people's accounts? Right. Are they going no. to undelete them? Right. Uh, and then they say that that uh, the man who shall not be named uh, <laughs> is a huge liar, <laughs> and that. Uh, but then it turns out that he was right about making the vaccine. That um, whether or not the, it's actually efficacious or anything like that, he said that he could make it. And they said, "No, you're crazy. You can't do it." And then he did it. 
Uh, he said it came from the Wuhan laboratory, and they were like, no, that's crazy. It didn't come from Wuhan laboratory, and turns out that there's more and more evidence piling up that it did. Um, everything that, that the media says is suspect automatically, and they don't, they don't apologize. They print, uh, they do a small edits that nobody sees, uh, a, like the, a week or two down the road, and they uh, never reinstate people's accounts. The big tech does not have to reinstate your account, even though they were proven wrong. The account is deleted. It's gone. You have no recourse. Um, and this is how it works. So many people, Patrick Coffin, uh, LifeSite News, uh, many, many accounts have been destroyed, just vanished. And they will never gain that audience back. And there will be no apology. There will be no uh, reinstating. And this is how it works. Yeah, it is very concerning. And I find it fascinating that states are having to step up. We talked about this months, a few months back, actually, that states are having to take the bull by the horns to provide some protection, to provide some uh, ability for their citizens to have recourse in spite of all of the uh, the overreach by big tech companies and even federal government. So it's a trend that we're seeing here. Um, gun rights, for instance, states are passing laws that say the federal overreach and Second Amendment can't affect their citizens. We're seeing um, states take uh, laws, pass laws that say we're going to protect the unborn through state legislation and even prepare for a day possibly when Roe v. Wade gets overturned. And there's all kinds of examples of this, for instance. Um, right now, there's, uh, I guess, the governor of Texas, for instance, is sending the National Guard down to the border because if the federal government's not going to enforce border laws, then maybe the state of Texas will. So we're seeing this trend, and it's awfully interesting to me to see where this ends up because states' rights was a major conversating point just prior to the civil war and we all don't want to see another civil war but tensions are high and violence is on the rise etc 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 so we'll see where all this goes there's another story again if you want to be a part of our conversation you're welcome to do it we do have a few minutes left in our in our hour this hour and we can take your call at 877-757-9424 877-757-9424 there is another very disturbing story i would like to bring up i got this um from the Daily Wire, and this is a disturbing story. This comes out of Teen Vogue. Do you let your kids read Teen Vogue, your daughters? Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I oh, sure don't. This oh, is a, an incredibly disturbing story to me. This is the headline. It's disgusting. It is. It's true. This is the headline from Teen Vogue. Menstrual blood magic. Three spells for your period. Let that sink in for a moment. We're talking occult. This is, this is encouraged as if it were normal to teen girls. Utterly appalling. I first realized that Teen Vogue was disgusting and evil when my goddaughter uh, told, went, up, went up to me about, um, I think it was seven years ago, six years ago. And she was like, you know, I was on Snapchat and there was this, uh, and there was a article from Teen Vogue, uh, promoting, uh, contraception and, uh, and transgenderism on their, on their Teen Vogue site. And I'm like, this is being put into the minds, into the eyes of our children. Yeah. Of as our if it were young normal. people. As if it were normal. Here's a quote from, here's like the third paragraph in or something. It says, quote, in witchcraft, one's menstrual cycle is considered to be an extremely powerful time, particularly when it lines up with the full moon. Guess what's out there right now, by the way? 
Though it should be noted that, scientifically speaking, the moon does not influence when you get your period, our menstrual cycles can, con- can connect our bodies to the universe, which is the intent of magic. So, in that way, it's true. Periods are magic, unquote. And I'm not going to read their whole article here. Uh, you can Google it if you'd like. I suppose we could post a link to it. But it's disturbing, to say the least, that we have... Uh, a popular teen magazine that's trying to teach magic to teen girls as though it were normal. The occult is uh, something we must avoid, something we have to avoid as Catholics, or else we find ourselves in grave trouble because it's mortal sin. Not only that, but you also open yourself to diabolical harassment. Uh, And it it gets worse from there. This is incredibly troubling as parents. Why in the world will we put up with this? Why in the world will we allow our our teenage daughters to read this? Or even worse, say middle school daughters. It's very troubling. The very fact that this is uh, targeted for teenagers tells you everything you need to know about society today. That they are trying to indoctrinate our children. This is why I keep... Uh, harping on the point, the drag queen story times, the transgender movement in schools, uh, the Jeff Younger and his son, James Younger, uh, these things, it just, it does not stop. It doesn't. And we have to keep hammering the point. Yeah, here's another uh, line from the article. It says, menstrual blood can be used in spells to ward off evil and protect us if used properly. Now, that's a mis- that's a, that's a little white lie. That's a misnomer there. Big white lie. Um, the occult, witchcraft. These types of things, they're only evil, okay? I remember listening to Zachary King, who was an avowed Satanist, who had a a mystical uh, encounter with Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, and she helped to bring him to Christ. And he has been spending his days ever since trying to warn people about the uh, diabolical and the occult, and he often will tell you that uh, this whole white witchcraft stuff is a lie of the devil, to, to, to fool you, to thank you, uh, to make you think that things are normal when they're really not, that they're good and they're, and they're not. So it is very concerning to see an article like this, as we've now said a few times, um, to sort of mis- misguide our teenagers along a path that could be detrimental to their souls, not only that, but to those around them as well. Yeah, woe so, to a society who calls good evil and evil good. Yeah. And we are that society today. We are a society that calls evil good and good evil. We see, we see the idea of treating our children right and raising them right and steering them away from psychotic delusions as a bad thing. And that if we embrace uh, mental illness and we embrace evil and magic and witchcraft, then that means we're good. It is the exact, it is a, a whole perversion of the life that God has in, has created for us. The God's law has been thrown out the window in favor of the law of the devil. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is a, and I saw this, man, Michael Knowles is who I, who I got this from. I saw a video of him talking about this article and I almost threw up on my mouth just thinking about uh, the manipulation of this article. And I, I'm glad we had the opportunity today to share it with you so that you would be aware uh, and hopefully prayerfully uh, you're not allowing your teenage girls or middle school girls to read Teen Vogue. 
And if you are, would you please consider not stopping it? Would you please consider throwing these magazines in the garbage? Burning them. And, and, and getting rid of your subscriptions to canceling them immediately because this is an atrocity. And this is part of the problem. This is part of the reason why we talked to Timothy Putnam in the first, uh, in the first segment there because – we must learn and know our faith. How many Catholics are out there and they are mistakenly believing that they can participate in the occult in some way? Remember we talked to uh, our, our, the former U.S. Marshal about Santa Muerte? And, and we've had Jesse Romero on several times talking about it. I mean, there's just so many times in our family life where we can run across occult-like things. And if we're not educated and well-informed, then we will not know that our family members are under attack. Uh, it's subtle and it's slick. That's why the devil is the father of lies. And that's why Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 tells us he was the most subtle of all the creatures. And it's definitely something we have to be avoiding for sure. Especially with all the, in Houston, in our, in our city where we live in Houston, Texas, we had a black mass a few years ago and praise be to God, there was a lot of Catholic faithful who rised up, who rose up and they went and they prayed outside. We had rosary rallies, uh, acts of reparation. It was amazing, very beautiful. And we need this all across America for the lay people to rise up, do public rosary rallies and battle against the, uh, against these uh, demons that try to plague us and our children. All right, that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Stick around if you can, because in the second hour, we're going to play our our fear and trivia game show, and prizes are involved. It's going to be a lot of fun in the second hour, less serious for sure, and a lot more fun. So all of that is coming up tomorrow. We have the Patriarch of Jerusalem on the program. So that's going to be an incredible time to conversate about the conflict in the Holy Land, Israel, and Gaza, and the Christians stuck in the middle. That conversation is coming up tomorrow, and a lot more Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Please join us in the next hour if you're able to. grnonline.com forward slash cdt is our website. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine has been reading the Left Behind books. Is there really going to be a rapture like these books talk about? No. The rapture refers to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Christians are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Many Christians believe, and the Left Behind books promote, that this being caught up to meet the Lord will occur before the Great Tribulation. Christians will simply vanish, meet Jesus somewhere in the air, and then return with Him to heaven to await the end of time. But notice, in verse 15, Paul says that we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up. Those who are left get caught up to meet the Lord. The Left Behind books get their name from a passage in Luke 17 and one in Matthew 24, which compares the coming of the Lord to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Matthew 24 puts it this way, As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. One is taken, one is left. The rapture, right? Jesus takes the Christians, leaves behind non-Christians. 
two problems with that interpretation. First, Jesus' coming is compared to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Well, after the flood, who was left? Noah and his family. The good guys, the bad guys were taken. After Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke, who was left? Lot and his daughters, the good guys, the bad guys were taken. Second problem, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that those who are left get to meet Jesus in the air. The good guys are left behind to meet Jesus. In other words, you want to be left behind so that you can get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air and accompany him back to earth at his second and final coming. There will be no rapture like the one the left behind books talk about. That view is not scriptural. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is good to be on with you. And you only have an hour and 49 minutes at this point to enjoy the full lunar eclipse. But you're probably going to have to be living someplace, California maybe, Hawaii, Guam, Australia, uh, parts of eastern China, Japan. You probably get a good view in Japan anyway. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a little, become more and more difficult to see it at this point. But either way, an hour and 48 minutes is on the clock for the full lunar eclipse. Good morning to you. Janelle, praise be to God. Good Thanks morning. for coming in today. It might be a bit difficult today in Houston because it's overcast. It's been raining like two weeks straight here. Oh, yes. it's. Oh, I want the sun to come back. I know. It's like, oh, man. Oh, it reminds it, me of Seattle too much. It's pretty soon. Did you live in Seattle? I did live in Seattle. I lived there for about nine years. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you like the rain then. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Not not every day, but I like it occasionally. It's nice. Yeah, I, I we're gonna. It's gonna be June in like a day or two. Yes, it will be. And then it's gonna be eighty-seven thousand degrees and four hundred percent humidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we're missing the last days of of quote spring unquote uh, with rain on the on the horizon. So who knows? Anyway, speaking of uh, speaking of that, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Yes, speaking of the uh, overcast and not not seeing the sun, uh, whenever we get up, so we get up at the crack of dawn or before the crack of dawn and get over here and I get home uh, in the afternoon and my sister apparently, uh, so she just came home and I haven't even seen her and uh, because she works at like two until like seven. Wow. And so uh, we just completely miss paths, paths. And so even though she's been home for two days now, I have yet to see my <laughs> sister, even though we're living under the same roof. So pretty funny. And this is the <laughs> sister that just graduated with yes. a master's? Yes, my sister who just graduated master's in speech language pathology. Nice. So she's going to do speech therapy. How wonderful. Praise be to God. 
Well, we just wrapped up uh, some conversations about some big ticket uh, stories in the news today. One on big tech censorship out of Florida. The other on the occult being taught to teen girls by Teen Vogue. And it's so disturbing. Oh, my. It's so disturbing. And uh, we'll be posting that a little bit later today. Plus, we had a conversation with Timothy Putnam last hour about Verboom, uh, a piece of software that I use and have been using now on this show for at least a couple of months to dive deep into sacred scripture super fast, to get to the early church fathers, uh, solid Catholic commentary, church teaching. It's just so good. Uh, Verboom.com forward slash GRN is the website. Verboom.com forward slash GRN. Uh, but in this hour, we're going to do good news stories. They're good news. It's not so intense news. Praise be to God for that. Janelle's reading the news for us right now. We're grateful to her. And then we're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. We'll do a slight reflection if there's time. And we're going to jump into our Fear and Trembling Game Show, where you get the opportunity to be our contestant and possibly win some very cool prizes. And this week, it is generously underwritten by apodandherpees.com. A pod and her has generously given us two very high end rosary pouches, very well uh, crafted, beautiful Catholic artwork. And we're going to be giving out those on Friday. But the coffee cup of divine providence is in front of us. Your name could go into it for a chance to win those uh, two pouches. Again, a pod and her All right. So that's what's on the agenda in the first half hour. In the next and the last part of this hour, we stay live on video feed for YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and live video feed on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where you can get the rules, the phone number, and all of that, plus join our email list and a lot more. And you can watch live there as well, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's pray. Whatever your intentions are, we're offering them up to our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, that she may intercede for you and for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, your headlines with Janelle. Another blessing for the pro-life movement, the Texas Senate has passed a bill to immediately ban abortions for when Roe v. Wade is overturned, and amen to that. The Catholic News Service has shared that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has written to a minor seminary in Poland, saying that he is delighted to see how in Poland still blossoms what in Germany has withered. The retired German Pope sent the letter dated May 7th to the minor seminary of the Archdiocese of Czestochowa. Located in the southern Polish city that is home to the venerated icon of the Black Madonna. The 94-year-old Pope Emeritus wrote, The letter from your seminary signed by the two prefects and the dean brought great joy to my house. It is wonderful to see how in Poland still blossoms what in Germany has withered. He continued, I particularly liked the illustration which shows my brother and me talking about the seminary and the invitation to me to visit the minor seminary of the Archdiocese of Czestochowa. Even if, given my age and state of health, it is no longer possible for me to visit you in person, I am your guest with my heart. Aww. The USCCB chairman commend resignation for Haiti for temporary protected status. 
The Biden administration announced that it would redesignate Haiti for temporary protected state status, or TPS. TPS allows foreign nationals to remain and work in the U.S. during a period in which it is deemed unsafe for them to return to their home country. Saturday's announcement is valid for a period of 18 months and can be renewed by the Secretary of Homeland Security. Bishop Mario Dorsonville, Auxiliary Bishop of Washington and Chairman of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee on Migration, and Bishop David Malloy of Rockford, Chairman of the USCCB's Committee on International Justice and Peace, welcomed the announcement. In his statement, Bishop Malloy stated, Haiti is widely recognized as the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. The church in Haiti has been directly impacted by the unprecedented levels of gang activity, with targeted kidnappings of the clergy, religious, and laypersons in recent months, adding to the need for an urgent response. According to LifeSite News, 90% of doctors in Ireland refuse to kill ab- babies in abortions. About 90% of doctors in Ireland refuse to abort unborn babies, and abortion activists are, of course, upset. A new report from the National Women's Council of Ireland found that more than half of all maternity hospitals in the country provide abortions, but only one in ten doctors are willing to abort unborn babies. The Irish woman cite her reports. According to the Irish College of General Practitioners, Ireland has approximately 3,496 practicing physicians. This means that about 90% of doctors in the country will not abort unborn babies, according to the report. Unborn activists or abortion activists are pointing out to the new findings as they demand that doctors be forced to help abort unborn babies. Dr. Trevor Hayes, an OBGYN at St. Luke's Hospital in Kilkenny, said that they decided unanimously not to perform abortions at their hospital. Hayes also said pro-abortion political leaders will create a major health crisis if they bully medical professionals into performing abortions because many will quit rather than kill an unborn child, Kilkenny now reported at the time. And those are your headline news. The saint of the day is St. Mary Ann de Paredes. She was born on the 31st of October 1618 at Quito, Ecuador. Uh, she was the daughter of Don Geralama Gariamo, a nobleman of Toledo, and Donna Mariana. Her birth was accompanied by unusual celestial phenomena, uh, maybe like the, the moon that's out today. She was orphaned at a very young age, and she was raised by her older sister and her husband. Marianne was a pious child with a great devotion to our Blessed Mother. She was miraculously saved from death many times. She was attracted to religious life at a very early age, and at 10 years old, she made vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. She initially wanted to become a Dominican nun, great choice, I must add, but instead became a hermit in the home of her sister. Her life changed at that point, and except to attend church, she never left the house again. Given to severe austerities, she slept little and ate an ounce of dry bread every eight or ten days. She survived solely on the Eucharist, which she received during daily communion. She was given to ecstasies, had gifts of prophecy, remote viewing, reading of hearts, healing by making the sign of the cross, or sprinkling with holy water. And at least on one occasion, she restored a dead person to life. During a series of earthquakes in 1645 and and inevitable epidemics that followed them, in Quito, Ecuador, she publicly offered herself as a victim for the city and died shortly after. 
Immediately after her death, there blossomed a pure white lily from her blood. The Republic of Ecuador has declared her a national heroine. She died on the 26th of May, 1645 at Quito, Ecuador, and was canonized on the 9th of July, 1950 by Pope St. Oh, not rather, Pope Pius Twelfth. St. Marianne, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Today's gospel is brought to us by Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 45. The disciples were on the way, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit upon him, scourge him, and put him to death. But after three days he will rise." Then, the son, the, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish, what do you wish me to do for you? And they answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right hand and the other at your left. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said, We can. Jesus said to them, The chalice that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared." When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt, but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The applicant would say, For what can be greater or more wonderful than that a man should die for him to whom he ministers? He goes on to say, Now that he has become man and has been crucified, he not only has glory himself, but also has taken up others to participation in his glory and ruled by faith over the whole world. Theophilicate brings out something important, that we as his disciples must be there to participate. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, the this passage being incredibly long, there is uh, about two, maybe three hundred things you could say about it. But uh, one thing that we've mentioned before is the the, the sons of Zebedee. Uh, who are these sons? These are the apostles who became one who became the uh, the first apostle to be martyred. These are the sons of thunder. And so this is, uh, these are very important characters. Uh, I say characters, but they're real people, obviously. But these are very important people in, in scripture that we should be focusing on. And also our Lord, we always see him here, 
uh, which he's always referred to as the son of man. What is meant by the son of man? This is uh, often overlooked. And uh, But what is he saying here? He's saying that uh, a number of things, but I'll point out one thing in particular, is that he is the son of Adam. He is the son of, because we see here that there is a lineage that our Lord comes from. And that by being the son of man, by being the son of Adam, and not just the son of David, because he is the son of David as well, but being a son of Adam makes it so he is uh, being, he's redemptive of all mankind because all of man, Gentile, Jew, or otherwise, um, he they are descendants of Adam. And so our Lord came not to save just a few. He came to save all of us, to save many, but not all of us will be saved. Uh, so we mm-hmm. must follow our Lord. We must be baptized if we want to drink from the waters of which our Lord gives. That's right. Some will not be saved because they choose to reject the Lord. All right. We're going to go to break. And we, we're going to come back with our fear and trembling game show. Three questions, three opportunities to get into this week's prize. And you don't even need to know the answers to the questions to become a winner. It's that easy. Phone number is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Apodandherpeace.com is our sponsor. All that coming up right after this short break. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear 
and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anyone what I'm about to tell you. Let's keep it between us. But we like to do a few things during the Trivia Game Show. We like to, one, teach the faith. So you're always learning something you probably did not know before. Praise be to God. We like to have a laugh and a good time in the process, and our contestants tend to be good sports and a lot of fun and laugh along with us, and that's always good. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes. It makes it kind of a winner for everybody involved. But here's the kicker. If you're just joining the show and you've never heard this before, and you're like, what manner of insanity is all of this? Well, we have a caller, and there are contestants, always the first caller that call, that calls in to gets to be the contestant. But we don't ask them the questions. Mm-mm. I'm going to ask Janelle, and I'm going to ask Adrian. One of them will be right. The other will be wrong, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. And this week's prize is a podandherpeas.com, a podandherpeas.com. Andrea has generously donated two very high-end, very well-constructed, beautiful uh, rosary pouches to protect your rosary. And uh, they're really nice. This isn't the cheap stuff. This is the good stuff. And we're going to give out two of these on Friday from a podandherpeas.com. We'll pull out a name, and they will be mailed directly to them. So we're very excited about that and grateful to apodandherpees.com for generously sponsoring our prize this week. All right. Thank you to those that called in to try to be contestants today. We're always grateful. Tomorrow is a new chance, a new opportunity, so please do call in. The phone number's on the website. If you want to call early, you're welcome to do that. But let's go over to Germantown, Maryland, and Anne-Marie, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's been a, it's been a, uh, at least a month since we've talked to you last. Uh, you've been all right ever since? Yeah, I've been all right. And uh, one more time, remind us, where do you go to church? I go to church at Mother Seton in Germantown. Wonderful. Now, uh, for those that uh, don't know, Anne-Marie, uh, if you listen to the Guadalupe Radio Network, especially during share she's the stumper. She always tries to call in these challenges, Marian apparition challenges, and she always looks for the most uh, obscure possible Marian apparitions, and we're always str- you know, scrambling to research while talking at the same time. And it's, it's usually a lot of fun, actually, but we always learn something. Before we jump in, Anne-Marie, uh, to the game show here, what is your favorite apparition? Um, well, there's a several, but the one that I'm thinking about is the one that was on your game show on Monday. Oh, okay. Remind you us. you remember that one? You tell me. Remind us. Um, Our Lady of Knock in Ireland? Yes. All <laughs> right. So now you, it's your turn, Joe. Fatima. What year it's easy. Was Our Lady of Knock. Oh, in Ireland? What, what year was Our Lady of Knock? Mm, 18. I forget. I have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget. It's uh, it's the latter half of the eight, of the 19th century is all I remember. But uh, Janelle, our crack research team is looking it up right now. You? Did you find it? Uh, on the evening of August 21st, 1879. See, I knew that. I was I, 1879 was going to be the number I was going to use. But, it was uh, on the tip of your tongue, the tip, I know. The tip of the tongue, at any rate. All right. Let's play our game, Anne-Marie. You must be familiar. You know how the game is played, right? Yep. So you, you know, Adrian and Janelle, they can be very tricky. They might want to lead you astray. you got to pay attention. Got it. I, however, am on your side. I am your advocate in this game show. Let's, let's see if we I'm can... I'm well aware of 
deserve that one, Joe. <laughs> Let's see if we can't get you a win here. We'll start with Janelle as as our custom. Janelle, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, Joe. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Janelle, can you tell me the Holy Alliance signed in 1815 was between which three European countries? Oh, European. Okay, so I won't be able to narrow it down. Mm-hmm. European. Okay. Holy Alliance. Go ahead. I'm going to go for Russia. Okay. Prussia. Ah. And Austria. Ooh. Okay. Seems reasonable. Let's see what uh, Mr. Adrian Fonseca has to say here. Adrian, can you tell me the Holy Alliance signed in 1815 was between which three countries? Yes. That is obviously Ubinola, Utopia, and El Dorado. Okay. One more time. From the top. I'm, i got to write this down, apparently. Okay. These are European countries? Yes. Okay. One more time, please. Ubi Nola. Ubi what? Nola. Okay. <laughs> okay. Utopia. Utopia. And El Dorado. Uh, Ubi Nola, Utopia, and El Dorado. That's your answer. Si, senor. All right, so uh, Adrian is on the hook for U- Ubinora, Utopia, and El Dorado. And, Im- or rather, Janelle, I almost <laughs> did it again. I almost did it again. Janelle <laughs> is on the hook for Russia, Prussia, and Austria. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's obvious? Uh, Anne Marie, what say you? I say it's Janelle because I've never heard of some of those other countries. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> Survey says. Well done. Well done. I got it. You is, Adrian. I don't know how she got that one right. <laughs> Gee. Well, well, Ubi Nola is Latin for nowhere. U- Utopia is Greek for nowhere. And El Dorado is a fictional city. You got to love. You got to love <laughs> theology students. I mean, they're just, they're, their humor is they're the They're a best. different breed. They're a different breed. <laughs> well, well done. Well done, Anne-Marie. You, in fact, are correct. Russia, Prussia, and Austria. By the way, uh, pop a uh, bonus question here. Who gets caught in the middle between Russia, Prussia, Poland. and Austria? Poland. Every time. Anyway, there you go. All right, that's the history lesson for today. Let's go with something more along the uh, sacramental lines here. Uh, Adrian, we'll start with you. Adrian, Uh-oh. if you had to baptize somebody, if uh-huh. it became necessary to I, baptize God, God somebody. God forbid. God forbid. How would you do it? Uh, let's see. I would probably I would get the person and run water over their forehead saying we baptize you in the name of the father in the name of the son and in the name of the holy ghost you would baptize them you pour water over their head and then you would say in the name of the father son and the holy ghost i would say we baptize you in the name of the father in the name of the son in the name of the holy ghost we baptize that's what you said right we baptize you in the name of the father in the name of the son and in the name of the holy ghost Uh uh uh-huh and how many times would you would you pour the water three times three times okay let's see what janelle has to say janelle can you tell me if you had to baptize somebody what how how would you do that how would you baptize somebody if you had to Hmm. Adrian's answer is very, very tricky. I would like to change one word in it. I want to change I from the I baptize you, or I want to change the we from I baptize you to I. So my full answer is by pouring ordinary water on the forehead of the person to be baptized, saying while pouring, um, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. All right. Okay. So 
Uh, Janelle says, I baptize you pouring three times. And Adrian says, we baptize you pouring three times. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's tricky? And Marie, what say you? That would be Janelle, and that is baptism by desire. Survey says... Kinda. Kinda. Duh. Yeah. Well, in fact, uh, and this was a tricky question, and it was meant to be a teachable moment. You have to baptize uh, by pouring water three times, uh, or at least you could submerge them, I suppose, but pouring water three times at the least, and you have to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Adrian, isn't it true you also have to have the intention of the church? Yes, yeah, so you need the proper intention. Uh, we have to go quickly. Yeah, it's it's very proper, quickly. You need proper intention in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, not in the name of three times. That's just yeah. dividing up the persons, and it has to be I and not we. All right. Well, we get, or because of the clock, we got to rush to the next question here. Uh, and Marie, you're in the cup twice. Congratulations. Let's see how this uh, third one goes. We'll go back to Janelle this time. Janelle, tricky question. What covers St. Peter's tomb? The Apostle Peter, the guy with the keys, the prime among the bishops. What covers his tomb where his bones are? Petras. Minute and a half. Jesus called St. Peter a rock upon which he would build his church. So it makes sense that his tomb would be covered by even more rocks. So based on that line of thought, (laughs) Peter's tomb has to be most definitely covered by a mountain. By a mountain? By a mountain. Hmm, okay. The biggest of all rocks. Adrian, what covers St. Peter's tombs where his bones are kept? Uh, so a mountain is, is an interesting answer. I'm going to go with St. Peter's Basilica and not Mount Buterich, the guy we interviewed. <laughs> okay. Adrian is on the hook for St. Peter's Basilica. Janelle is on the hook for a mountain whose rock is the right rock. And Marie, what say you? Adrian. Survey says... Congratulations, Anne-Marie. Three times in the coffee cup of divine providence. Praise be to God. Uh, We're going to put you uh, on hold, but have a great day. And God love you. Thank you for being a part of our program today. All right. I'm looking forward to being part of your program in a week or so. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for the radio side of our program today. If you can join us in the after show, you can hang out Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. But you can also hang out right on our webpage, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Tomorrow on the program, the uh, Patriarch of Jerusalem is going to be our guest. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Hopefully you can join us for all or part of that. Again, find all the details of our show at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual about the conversation and whatever you want to talk about is the agenda. So all you have to do is comment wherever you are. Facebook, YouTube are the best places, I would say. But you can also comment right on our webpage, uh, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. 
and be a part of our conversation today. So whatever you want to talk about is fine. Uh, there's a lot of people here hanging out. There's some first-time commenters, I think, um, and we always like to lavish some love on our first-time commenters. So if you've never commented before, please do consider commenting for the first time. Make sure we understand that you're a first-time commenter. Sometimes, sometimes I mistake people for first-time commenters when they've been here before. And in my defense, I'm old, and so I get a pass. Uh, but Adrian has no excuses, however, so we can hold him accountable. Uh, the, the good, the, the good news like is I deal. never make mistakes. Oh, <laughs> really? Okay. Mm, never? Never. Never. I can't think of a single time. Oh, I can. I have a list, in fact. I keep an ongoing list of all Fonseca mistakes. Never. Now, that's the real what's up with that. <laughs> kind of weird, man. <laughs> kind of weird. At any rate, we have some people to, uh, to acknowledge. Who's on YouTube side? Uh, a lot of people. Mr. Thomas is back, so hey, praise be to God. Back, it's good to, to see God. you uh, commenting regularly again, Mr. Thomas. Uh, somebody that I have no idea what their name is uh, was talking about coffee between Mr. Thomas and this person. <laughs> I think they're a new commenter. We uh, let us know, know what your name is. Name is. <laughs> uh, YouTuber, YouTube names are like impossible to pronounce. Sometimes they are. But Esma? Esma, good morning to you. Esma is a new commenter as well. So that's yes. two new commenters Amen. right there. William Mike Hemsworth. is on. Monica is on. Uh, Giggling Sewer Ginger, which what amazing name. How beautiful. <laughs> this Giggling Sewer Ginger is actually a bored again Christian. Uh, so thank you for being on Giggling Sewer Ginger. Very original. Um, very beautiful. Dan. Beautiful name. Dan, good morning to you. Uh, and Tammy. And I think that's. Oh, and William uh, or Bill. Yeah. There, those. I think God. that covers everybody. Tammy asked a question. She wanted to know. Let me see if I can find it. She said, "Please post a link to the article so I can share it." Which article are you referring to, Tammy? So we can uh, share that. And then Dominic, uh, Jeff's family is listening. He said, uh, good, "Good morning. morning. <laughs> Today is my last day riding to the bus to school for second grade. Praise be to God, Dominic. Congratulations <laughs> in graduating second grade." God love you. Ah, you must be looking forward to your summer break. Oh, and Valentine. There you go. Valentine, good morning to you. I remember my summer breaks, and back in my day, I say that a lot now. It's funny. Back in my day, we actually had three months off. We were we would have June, July, and August. We wouldn't go back to school until September, um, and that all changed after my my graduating high school. That all changed. Kathy, good morning to you. Praise be to God, our friend from Danvers, Mass. It's good to see you again. Um. So, Joe, so when is our vacation? When is our uh, summer vacation? It just ended. I don't know if you, I don't know if you paid attention to that, but uh, uh, anyway, mm. um, that's awkward. On Facebook side, well, let's see who do we have here. We got a ton of po- folks here too. Mary, good morning to you. Lori, good morning to you. Josh Knoll, good Joaquin, good morning to you. Don was throwing shade at me. Luz, good morning to you. Uh, what's Don saying? Way to go, Adrian. I also see the shadow of a beard coming back. Way to go. A- yay and amen. Preach it, brother. Just, just, just for that comment, Don. Uh, Don, I'm gonna go home and shave today. No, don't do it. I'm gonna uh, do it. Uh, Don says, "Joe, I was listening to the Dan Bongino show, and I do believe he plays the horns as he goes to commercial." What? Dan Bongino stole the horns from us? They listen to our show all the time. I'm sure. Are you? He probably has a whole army of people just listening to this show to get some resource material for his show. Uh, he needs to play the horns. If he's not playing the horns, tell him to play the horns. It's powerful stuff. 
Uh, uh, Sita on uh, the Facebook GRN side said, I had to share that we had a teen magazine in Germany, and I remember reading when uh, reading when I was about 12 that if you want a boy to fall in love with you, that you should put your menstrual blood in his drink. What? Not that I ever tried that, but I remember being fascinated by this. We really got to pray for people that spread these lies. What? That is crazy. That is disgust. Oh, my God. I what is wrong with I people? really really hope nobody did that that is oh, oh yeah. I'm going to be I'm going to throw disturbing. up I'm going to vomit It is disturbing to see them teach the occult like it's normal that should that should really give pause to parents they should really be considering what they allow their kids to consume i wish i read that comment before i read it out loud yes <laughs> i know gloria says i remember those days we would spend the summer in mexico city with family yeah could you remember remember gloria when you were like yes we are gonna get out of school we're gonna get the whole summer ahead of us you thought like this is gonna be amazing this is gonna be the summer to remember and you're gonna do all these cool things and then you know you sat around your house for six days a week watching tv reruns you know now my mother uh single parent and uh, she had to work all day long. Very worked, She worked very hard to, to support us kids. And um, we were unsupervised, so we got into a lot of trouble, actually. We got into a lot of trouble because we were unsupervised for those days. It was, it was pretty crazy. But I loved, you know, riding the bikes and the skateboards all across town. It was all the nefarious, terrible activities I got into that got me in trouble. But still, those summer times were fun. Valerie and Elijah are on. Hey, good morning. Praise be to God. So is Bruce, by the way. Oh, and also um, is on. What? He's right there on GRN Online Facebook page. He had some great comments. The button. He said that uh, they, he said in the name of the creator, the savior, and the sanctifier. Oh, yeah. The baptism question. Yep, we, yep. Ran out, we ran out of time. But we couldn't do justice to it. Yeah, that's a very important question that needs to be addressed. Before we do, though, Patty, good morning. She was hanging out with us. Buddy Kane, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We're very grateful to you. Sonia, I think, is a new commenter. Hey, now. Or Sonia. I don't know. Sonia. On, where Son- is this? YouTube? Sonia. On Facebook. On Facebook. Hey, welcome I to think, the team. I, I mean, I think she is. I welcome don't recognize her. Welcome to the her. team. Sonia. Yeah, she has her, how to pronounce it, Sonia. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Praise be to God. But yes, so uh, Jesus made a great uh, comment a great wrong answer, which is the name of the creator, the sanctifier, and the savior. Um, this is a very important point to note that you can only, there's only one way to baptize someone. You have to use the words, I baptize you. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. Both are okay. This is very, very important. If you say, we baptize you, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that it's invalid. You did not baptize a person. The person is not baptized. If you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, that is invalid. It's in the name of one time. Because whenever you say in the name of three times, you have now divided the persons of the Trinity uh, to no longer being the one name of God as three divine persons. Instead, you've made them three separate beings. So, that's very important. It must be, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost. And you have to have the proper intention. You need to 
intend to do what the church intends. So anybody can baptize, and it's a valid baptism. That's why I said she was kind of right because not it's not a, a baptized baptize desire. Christian can uh, not even even uh, let me reword this. Even a non-baptized Christian could baptize a person uh, properly. Not even a bat- unbaptized Christian, but a pagan. Yes. An atheist. Yeah. Anybody can baptize as long as they have the proper intention. All they have to do is intend to do what the church does. Yes. And what does the church do? Enters you into the church. So they have to will that and will what the church intends. And they can, and that is a valid baptism. And they have to use water. So they have to pour water. Well, they don't have to pour water. They just have to get water on them. It doesn't even have to be three times. Ideally, it would be running water. Um, that's uh, over them three times. That would be the ideal circumstance. But in a case of emergency, all you need to do is even sprinkle water on them. Yeah. And so as long as it touches their skin, yes, then it is a valid baptism. You know, it's fascinating because when I was having my conversion to the church, uh, going through this process after I had a mystical encounter in April 2002, and I started to research uh, the early church, earliest church, or Christian writings outside of sacred scripture, the Didache, which is written in the mid-50s, you know, at least a lot of theologians believe so, mid-50s AD, the Didache. Look it up, read it for yourself. Now, at the time, I was espousing Protestant uh, ideas, especially as pertains to baptism. Like, you had to be fully immersed, right? And that kind of thing. You go back and you read the Didache, and you realize there's a whole, there's a beautiful statement in the Didache about the need, okay, you should baptize with, with uh, living water, in other words, a river. But if you don't have that, then essentially it boils down to any amount of water will do, so long as you, as Adrian says, you know, you have to have the intention, you got to do the formula, you got to follow these, this, this sacramental prescription. And if you do that, everything is golden. If you don't, then things are a problem. That is powerful realization. I, I remember sitting there and just being blown away. This is mid-50s AD, first century, the teaching of the apostles. That is what the Didache literally means. And there were tons of copies of this document that survived antiquity. And, uh, and you realize that from the earliest days in the church, in fact, I even found archaeological, one of the oldest uh, examples of a Christian church, a house church, uh, it was found in Syria. It was buried by sand for many, many centuries, and they discovered it. Inside this church was a baptismal font. Trust me, there's no possibility that you're going to be submer- uh, submerged in the water in this baptismal font. It just simply wasn't big enough. It was like a small bathtub. You could probably stand in it, maybe, or kneel in it, possibly, but it's probably more to hold the water that would be then used to pour over your head three times. And then you be if you go back and you think... Okay, what about the 3,000 that came into the church on Pentecost? The 3,000 that were added, they had to be baptized. St. Peter even said so when they said, okay, well, what are we supposed to do, Peter? And he's like, repent and be baptized, right? So how do they baptize 3,000 people in a city where only days before they executed and murdered uh, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you think they're just going to let them use their, their sacramental pools? You think they're just going to let them use their water sources to be baptizing these 3,000 people? Um, There's a good chance. There's a good argument, speculation at best, but there's a good argument to suggest that they didn't do submersions, that they might have done sprinklings upon those people. I don't know, but there's uh, there's an opportunity there. I have a question. Go ahead. I heard somewhere that you're not supposed to, or you're not able to baptize someone with seawater. 
with salt water. Ooh, is that true? That's an interesting, that's interesting. question. Uh, that's a good question. The, it does the say answer. that it should be fresh water, but I don't know about emergency circumstances. So ideally, it would be fresh water. But in terms of emergency circumstances, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to look into that. Yeah. I, I guarantee that there's an answer to that because basically every question on baptism has been uh, put to the Vatican and has been answered. So I'll look into that and get back to you. Uh, we had a lot of comments on uh, on YouTube side that I want to go through. Uh, Dominic said, "Good, uh, we already read that one. Sorry, he said he's graduated from second grade." Sienna said, "Can I come to the studio in the summer?" Absolutely, Sienna. Uh, just let us know. Send us a, send me an email, and uh, we'd be happy to have Jeff, uh, all of you, you and your children, to come see the studio. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Genevieve said she graduates from kindergarten tomorrow. Congratulations, Genevieve! Way to go! Survived it. Uh, Mike said Adrian needs to be put in timeout for his Catholic Rick role. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, and he also used to live in Federal Way, Washington. Federal oh, that's awesome. Way, I remember Washington. Federal Way. I used to go to Federal Way um, Water Park <laughs> all the time. But uh, I used to live in Renton. But it's a very small town. No one knows of it. So I just say Seattle because it's like 20 minutes away. Basically the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, why do they need water parks whenever it's just constantly raining? Yes. (laughs) Like who goes swimming when it's pouring rain? Indoor water park. Is it really? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) This is a great idea. Let's go out of the rain into a building to get wet. (laughs) That's amazing. This is brilliant. Genius. Genius. It's cold. You got to go indoors. Kathy says, I watched Full of Grace. This is the movie we talked about. Was it yesterday? It says, I was so emotional. Sobbed through the entire movie. Tears of joy for what Jesus has done for us. Of gratitude to Mary who drew me closer to him. I love him more through Mary. Good comment there, Kathy. Praise be to God. Mr. Thomas said, may I ask a silly question? Not a silly question. Uh, About producing the show. How do the camera switches switch when where they are talking is there a cameraman no that's not a silly question uh i switch the cameras i have uh all of the buttons here next to me i'd show you but it's like hooked up to a wire um and so i have to i switch them uh as we're talking i'll switch them over back and forth uh mike said back in the good old days when you took an emt class you were asked if you were willing to baptize an infant who's going to die and if you were not what if not you are not allowed to continue in the class that's amazing boy those days are over aren't <laughs> what they? <laughs> i had no idea that was a thing i didn't uh, either jonah said i played my final playoff little league baseball game last night congratulations hey, jonah did you win i'm just curious yeah let us know how did that go yeah uh, Alaric said, way off topic, I wonder if you all would bring on Scott Hahn to defend the case of his new book. I believe it's called It Is Right and Just. He is receiving criticism for it. Um, I have not heard any criticism for it. Uh, let me know what criticism is he receiving. Uh, could be a good guest. I, no, we I, haven't had Scott I've Hahn. interviewed Scott many times in the past. I used to work with him. Uh, I, I love his work, so but I haven't read this new book. I'm not familiar with it, so I'd have to pick it up and look through it. But we surely could get him on. Uh, part of the Part of the goal on guest selection is to try to get guests on that probably don't get all that many opportunities to be on Catholic Radio. And there's a mix. We do have some that have been on many times. We also try to get some on that haven't been on uh, to have some interesting conversations. And so we try to mix that up as best we can and look for opportunities to do something that others really aren't doing. You know, so that's part of the consideration. But I've actually considered inviting Dr. Han on to talk more about why he is attending the TLM, um, especially since... 
What's well, the TLM, Joe? The traditional Latin Mass. So especially since when you, well, I want to have him talk about that first Mass he went to in the basement chapel, and that really was his first experience of the Holy Mass and how when he was uh, writing the Lamb's Supper, you know, he was really, uh, it was in looking at the book of Revelation through the Holy Mass and how that might have led him to the traditional form of the Mass. I, re I really want to pick his brain about that. But maybe we can also talk about his book. I haven't seen this book. I haven't read it. I have to look at it. Yeah, let us know mm. what guests do you want. I'd be, uh, we'd be happy to uh, get guests that you want to hear. Uh, Buddy said, so does that mean if someone makes a mistake in wording, that person just condemned that person to hell? I say this because I only see this happening in a near-death situation. Well, there's a lot to be said here. Um, quickly, I suppose, is the idea that the uh, one, we should all learn how to do emergency baptism. That's very important. In fact, it's in the Baltimore Catechism for Children on how to baptize people in the case of emergency. So this is something that every Catholic should learn and should know how to do, especially, and like Mike was saying, if you work in EMT, nurses, all these people should learn how to do it, especially for infants, babies, especially, because they uh, for adults, they have to consent. So you need uh, to have a reasonable uh, belief that they would have desired baptism. And so in order to baptize them, whereas infants, you can just baptize them if it's in danger of death. And now, whether or not it condemns them to hell, well, for one, you are not condemning the person to hell, for one, because uh, that's it's nothing um, on you. But the uh, it would not be a valid baptism, so they would not be cleansed of original sin. And so that falls back into the a camp of uh, what happens to unbaptized uh, babies who die as infants or before. Um, and that's a disputed question in the church. The, uh, the tip of the position of the scholastics was that they would go to a place of perfect natural beatitude known as limbo of the infants. And the opinion of the church today, uh, under John Paul II in the new catechism is that the, that we have, we can hope and pray for their salvation, but we can't know what happens to them. We leave it to the mercy of God. So those are the, the positions to hold for infants that are unbaptized. Um, but this is incredibly important. We must learn how to do emergency baptisms. We must learn, um, we must realize that this is a big deal. This is salvation is on the line here. So we need to, because, uh, to our knowledge, to the, the normal uh, means of salvation are the sacraments. And so we cannot refuse some of the sacraments. We must give them those means of grace that we know bring them to heaven. Anything else that's up to God that's not uh, where that we don't have the power to judge in that sense. Now, I would say this, like in the case of like an adult, uh, if they were near death and they were desiring to be baptized, but the, in an emergency situation, the person, you know, that's trying to perform the baptism, it did it wrong. Well, that adult has the right intention and desire, and God recognizes that, and he, we can entrust them to the mercy of God. <clears throat> Same thing with suicide, uh, people who commit suicide as well. Um, we can't know whether or not in their final moment they repented. It's possible. Uh, we just we can't know either way, so we can't make determinations. Uh, we can't we can't uh, you know give eulogies, and we can't. You know, put them in in, uh, in either location. We don't have that power, that judgment. That we leave that to God. Jeff Sun said, uh, "We lost eleven to twelve in overtime. Little League normally plays four innings with a ninety-minute time limit. We played seven innings and went two and a half hours. Oh wow. my goodness, that's a little bit long. It's a little longer than ninety minutes." 
but praise be to God. Way to go. Praise God. Way to go. 11-12. That's a great, what, that's a great uh, game. What position do you play there? I want to know. Let us know. What, uh, what's your position? Praise be to God. Yeah, Jonah, keep us updated. That's really awesome. I I played baseball only for a little while. I only played for, I think, two years. Um, my sister was much, much more into softball than I was into baseball. I played football through uh, when I was four years old all the way through high school until my junior year of high school is when I stopped playing. So a lot of fun. I love sports. Amen. Praise be to God. What else? Uh, let us know, especially if you've uh, never commented before. Let, be a first-time first time commenter. Uh, let us lavish some love on you for that. We're very grateful to everybody who hangs out with us and listens to us, especially talking and chatting with us in the after show. We're very grateful to you. So praise be to God for that. Um, yeah, just crazy stories. Let's talk about uh, Cy Kellett for a moment. Uh, did you start the search? Did you, Joe, Bruce Thomas asking me, Joe, did you start the search yet on form no i have not not yet no um but i put it on my wish list glenn trahan says if an adult is in danger of death and unconscious and you can't know their intention could you baptize them conditionally that's a good question i don't think you're supposed to uh so the for conditional baptism so no you cannot baptize them you can conditionally baptize them which if you have, if you like, so it's kind of complicated when you get to talking about this kind of situation. Uh, I would err on the side of being cautious and giving them a conditional baptism because the, what a conditional baptism basically says is if this person has not been baptized before, I baptize you in the name of the, or rather if this person is capable of receiving baptism, I baptize you in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Uh, so that's what a conditional baptism is. It is usually done in situations where you have reason to believe that something sketchy has happened and their baptism <gasps> may be invalid. Their, their original baptism might be invalid or they're in a difficult situation where you're not sure if they have been baptized before and you have reason to believe that they wish to be baptized. Yeah. Um, or if they're part of a cult like, um, the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses or the Oneness Pentecostals who we reject their baptisms, we recognize that their baptisms are invalid. We would just simply baptize them, not baptize again because they were not ever baptized to begin with. Um, but conditional well, baptisms. Unless they were fallen away Catholics. Unless they were fallen away Catholics. Now, right. I had my grandmother conditionally baptized on the night before she passed away. She was unconscious at the time. And she kind of, she, it, unfortunately, her decline caught us by surprise. And by the time I even thought about the question, she was unconscious. So I called a deacon friend, and he called um, um, a monsignor. And the monsignor sent the deacon friend over to conditionally baptize her. And what caught me off, off guard, because when I asked my mother if my grandmother had been baptized, she, she didn't know. She and I, I just felt like that was strange. Like, how could you, how could you really not know? You know. Now, to my mother's defense, I mean, that's just the way things go. I wasn't you know, trying to crit criticize my mom here, but the point is, uh, just learn from my mistake and don't wait till it gets to that point to be asking these tough questions, and maybe have a conversation. Or well, not the last conversation I was able to have with my grandmother before she uh, went unconscious. Uh, I unfortunately did not have that. Uh, I didn't ask. Didn't ask her. It didn't dawn on me to ask her. To be honest, I mean, 
my parent, my family were Protestants, and I just assumed everybody had been baptized. It was a, a bad assumption on my part. But the deacon was kind enough to inquire with uh, a monsignor to, to to try to figure out what does the church teach on this, and and he did come and he did conditionally baptize her, and we were grateful for that. Yeah, that's very important. We need to make sure that we conditionally baptize people whenever it is necessary. Uh, Buddy said, I thought St. Augustine said suicide was always condemned because they committed murder. Uh, yes, suicide is always condemned, but the person who committed suicide, we don't know if they're damned, but yes, suicide is a mortal sin. It's a grave matter, and the um, and so, yes, it is a grave matter, and it is a condemned thing, and you, if you commit, uh, and as you said, they committed murder, yes, it's often referred to by the scholastics as self-murder is what it was referred to as. Um, and so, yes, the important distinction that needs to be made is the, at the very time that they committed the act, the mortal sin, you are now in mortal sin and the divine life is out of your soul. Whenever you are in mortal sin, you are condemned to hell. You cannot enter heaven if you have mortal sin on your soul. And that is the teaching of the church and it is true. However, uh, you can make a perfect act of contrition. If someone makes a perfect act of contrition, they are forgiven of their sins. And so a perfect act of contrition basically says, I repent of my sin out of love for God and not out of a simple fear for hell. And if I survive, as soon as I am able, I will make it to confession and confess my sins. And that happens even if the person is about to die. So I said, if I survive this, then I will will go to confession as soon as possible. And if they make a perfect act of contrition, then their sins are forgiven. They are no longer in mortal sin and they can enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the, what is being said here about suicide, people who commit self-murder is that even though they committed a mortal sin here, they committed a mortal sin and the typical belief is that they would be condemned to hell. If they make a perfect act of contrition from the moment that they kill themselves, who they make an act that would kill themselves and in their death, and the time that they actually die from the moment their soul uh, leaves the body and enters into the judgment seat of God, between that time, uh, if they're able to make a perfect act of contrition, they can still be saved. So that's why we pray for them. Now, the and the reason why you can say this is because for us, in our perception of time and space, we recognize that when things happen, they happen in a chronolo- chronological order. They happen in the sequence of time that we see it. So seconds pass uh, and we perceive the seconds as being very quick. And so whenever someone dies to our perception, it happens quickly. The problem is we don't actually have a proper definition of death. So you have medical death, you have heart failure, you have brain death, all these different things. Yet we know that these aren't real death. How do we know that? Because you can resuscitate these people. So their soul has not left the body. Because whenever someone is brain dead, they're still living. They can breathe. They can do other things. They just can't speak or get up. Their brain activity is depleted, but their soul is still in their body. When someone has heart failure, their brain activity is still working, and they and they can resuscitate them um, via the electrical shock. And so we know that these medical deaths that we see are not necessarily the same kind of death that we talk about whenever our Lord says death, which is a separation of the body and the soul. And so we don't know how long that takes. We don't know. And so that's why we'll often also see people who are already dead medically who are conditionally baptized. When they're a newborn infant, a baby who is born, who is, uh, who is already, was born dead, 
it, is, it was a common opinion of Pius X and others that you would baptize that baby. You would say, if their soul still resides in their body, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's very important because the idea was, well, they may be dead according to our medical science, but the soul may still be residing in the body. And so we uh, react and act as if they're still alive. And we, and that's another case where you would make a conditional baptism. That's very important. And these are the essential, the ideas. All right. We're just about out of time here. I wanted to mention real quick about Cy Kellett. So the issue is we, we invited Cy on, was it last week, week before? I forget. And unfortunately it didn't work out and he didn't show up. And then, so we re-invited him again today for today. And unfortunately he didn't show up. So I, I'm not sure why. Keep him in your prayers. I mean, hopefully everything is fine and okay. Uh, but uh, he he didn't make it again twice. So I'm not sure we're going to read book on this particular topic again. I mean, we tried a couple times, so we'll just leave it at that. But uh, tomorrow we are going to have uh, the patriarch for uh, Jerusalem on. Looking forward to that conversation. Pizabala is his name. Um, we're going to get some insight from his perspective on the conflict in the Middle East uh, it seems like the Christians are always the ones squeezed between a rock and a hard place over there, so that'll be a good conversation. And then Will Hild is going to be a guest on his uh, organization, which is consumerresearch.org, has been putting out these really high-end political uh, attack-like commercials against CEOs of companies who are giving in to this wokeness stuff. And uh, we're going to be having a conversation of why he's put this campaign, why his team has put this campaign out there, what do they hope to accomplish, and what's the what's the story behind this. And so uh, it's fascinating because these these big huge corporations are just they're going all out. And why? What's the why? What what motivates them? That's going to be our conversation tomorrow as well. So a lot of guests tomorrow. By the way, Bishop Strickland is due to be on pretty soon, and um, we got a whole lineup uh, for Friday as well. We're looking forward to it. And praise be to God that you guys are here hanging out with us. We're very grateful to you. Do us a favor, share, like, subscribe, ring the bell notifications. Those are very important to us to overcome the uh, the censorship that we are seeing on these platforms. God love you. God bless you. Again, thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. See you back here at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us.